myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is fellow comedian Zach Arredondo. Zach is an opening act here as well as other cities. He made his start in comedy a few years ago. He has the unique situation of having sole custody of his daughter as a single father. We discuss that as well as his work-life balance, and then we get into his fear of not having enough time. I think that's a really relatable fear, especially in the social media age where everything is so engrossed into technology that sometimes you can just be staring at your phone or your iPad or your computer, look up and see the whole day has been like gone and you've done nothing. We talk about that. So let's get into that with my interview with Zach Arredondo. We're here with my friend, fellow comedian and single father, Zach Arredondo. Zach has been doing comedy here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a good two to three years. He's now uh, in the rotation as an opener at all the local clubs here in the Metroplex. He also has a day job and also finds time to be a father to his 11-year-old daughter. Zach, how you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just woke up from a nap, so feeling refreshed. It's good to see that you're feeling refreshed. I don't know if parenthood you get a lot of naps or if those are, would you recommend every parent have a nap? Is that the key to a successful parenting mm -hmm. life? I think you, I think, yeah, you definitely should. I mean, it's going to be hard until they get older. Like I'm lucky because now she just, she's older, so she doesn't care what I do. She's like, you're taking a nap. All right, whatever. I'll leave you alone. But before it was like, I want to be with you all the time. So... That sounds adorable, yet terrifying at the same time. <laughs> All the time. I want to see you when you're crying, when you're sad. Just just everything. No, you, you're not ready for that part of life yet. No, you're not. <laughs> so, Zach, how, as a, how did you become a single father? Because I'm, in Texas, it seems like it's such a ma more, you know, this is more of a, you know, in a custody battle, it would seem to lean towards being, you know, favoring the mother, but somehow you've won custody of your child. How did that come about? It, it was pretty simple for the most part. Yeah. Texas does really favor the mom more. Um, so a little, about a year after she was born, her mom wanted to move to Kansas with her now uh, ex-husband, actually. Um, I didn't like that idea. So we agreed that she would go get settled and then in a couple months, come pick her up. And then they would move either way. Like, that was the compromise. So after about six months, she didn't get her. I found out that that's technically child abandonment. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Um, but my girlfriend at the time, she had some money and she loved my kid enough to where I'll help you get a lawyer. And then, you know, you'll get custody that way. And uh, my kid's mom couldn't afford one. So my lawyer pretty much got me the case and I went to court and the judge was just asked a couple simple questions where I worked, what I did, if I was going to go to college and uh, just let me have her. So it was nothing really crazy. 
uh, of those answers you gave the judge, how many have you held true to? Did you go to college? Uh, I I tried, you know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just wonder, just curious to see. I went I went for a year, and then I was like, ah. I will I dedicate don't. my life to getting an education, <laughs> and then six months later, I'm dropping out. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I got custody. I don't need to. I don't need to show off anymore. But that's it's a it's always an interesting, I guess, dynamic as to because it's not the norm. Most of the time, when you think of a single parent, it's always the mom. You very rarely have the single full time dad in that situation, and so you have a lot of the mom's problems. But being the father, I feel like there's a perception that you shouldn't. You should be stronger in certain situations, or yeah, definitely. Like if when you send her to your mother's, you know, like moms would be like, "I miss them so much." But as a dad, I almost feel like, yeah, you should be okay. Now you should be. You now you're single dad. Now you can have fun. It's like <laughs> that. You as the dad, when you get rid of your your child for two or three months while they go visit the other parent, it's like, yeah, lifestyle party. The. uh the first two weeks, I'll say I'm pretty depressed because I'm so used to having her around. So I'm like trying to, I'm wandering aimlessly around where I live. Just like, what do I do now? I have no one to, but then after that, once it settles, it's like foreigners double vision plays in my head. Mm-hmm. It's like time to party. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. That you, you just, you give your, you give your child a two week grace period of, okay, she's just definitely not here. Okay. Yeah. I'm Time to make the then, most. time to live the life I was meant to have before you came along before you snatched it away from me but it does teach you I would say probably parenthood does teach you a level of responsibility that you wouldn't have at your age had you not had a child yeah definitely with especially like uh, with working like I think I think the one thing that anybody's ever complimented me on is like my work ethic and how hard I do work because when I had, you know, I was working at Papa John's. So um, I wasn't making much money. So I was like working that and then trying to hit overtime. And then I, there was one two to three year period was working at this other place in Frisco and they allowed me to work like 60, 70 hours. Wow. So for three years, I tried to, work that amount of hours and raise her. And then at one point had a relationship for like a year and it just was hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely sounds hard. I could imagine having a relationship and working 60, 70 hours just there. I can't imagine that. Oh, also I have a child that depends on me. So I have to do spend time there being a father and, you know, cap, you know, spending time with her. Otherwise, Maybe she doesn't, you know, I have to, she's priority one. Then yeah, to, then to try a, to have time for priority two. It was a juggling act. I mean, I, uh, the relationship ended within a year. So you can, you can see how uh, it, my efforts were futile, but yeah. it was also most, the most stressed I was ever, that I had ever been those, those couple years, just because of working. The uh, Abby was three, four five years old at the time. So uh, obviously asking more of me and then yeah the the girlfriend at the time wanting more attention as well so and so what do you do now that you're not since you're no longer a mogul at papa john's pizza uh so my best friend's dad um 
he he passed away a couple of years, but he owns a um, uh, lawnmower repair shop. Okay. Um, so once he passed away, obviously my my best friend and his mom took it over, and uh, so I I I am the uh, what's the uh, term that they gave you? They made me my own business cards finally after being five uh, being there for five years. It's a customer service specialist. Um. Which is just, I don't know what the title is supposed to be. I just, I'm everywhere. Uh, Swiss Army Knife, I guess you could say, okay. of the job. Customer service specialist. Yeah. At a lawnmower repair. So I guess you ha- you're, I would almost ask him to change your name to day to day operations, you know, specialist maybe. Since I don't know how much customer facing you do in a repair shop versus all the other things that kind of become the glue like your operations. I mean, I tried to get them to put like store senpai on there, but they wouldn't do it. So yeah, that's probably a little too much. Yeah. I don't know what senpai is, but <laughs> you never heard of senpai <laughs> like uh, the Japanese. It's like, uh, oh, I don't know the actual term, like teacher, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah. Probably, but... probably not going to be the title they give you unless you yeah. start training people on how to do your job. Then maybe. You Maybe. can become a teacher. So does this job give give you more freedom to hang out with your child? Yeah, they're, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, obviously the perks of I've known them for now 21 years. I grew up with this guy in high school. We were best. We lived together. We were best friends. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a small business. There's like maybe 13 of us, mechanics, storefront people, managers and stuff like that. And uh, they work with me. I mean, there's times where... I remember one year, Abby's uh, bus, they canceled Abby's bus, the bus to our neighborhood. So they, I had to drop her off and pick her up. And they hit us the day that school started with this information. They didn't send out any emails letting us know this. So everybody was blindsided by it. Um, So I think for like four months before I finally got it settled, they were like, uh, they allowed me to come in an hour late and leave two hours early to deal with it without any repercussions. Um, that, and you know, if I have a, if, with comedy, they've helped out with comedy too. If I've got a show, like if I do a weekend, especially in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. uh, they'll allow me to have Saturdays off. Well, that's awesome. Um, speaking yeah. of that, you are two or three years into comedy. What, what started you on the idea of doing stand up as far as a, I guess what we would call now a side hustle now that it's actually making some income? <laughs> uh, well, I actually started technically five years ago, but really didn't get too eh. it was in 2015 when i started but i started in denton because a lot of my friends that i knew that were living there um but really it took me like a year and a half to finally do it um i was always told that i tell like really crazy stories or i over embellish stories um and at the time uh i was seeing that girl that i was telling you about when i was the most stressed in my life She's always like, well, if that's what you want to do, you need to go do it. And I was like, oh, I'm too scared because I have stage fright. I hate public speaking. It, I remember my first night doing stand-up when I finally did go. My legs shook so much. Like It, it was kind of like an anime when their bodies are shaking, like that vibration drawing mm-hmm. that they have on there. I feel like everybody in the room could see it. But really, I guess a breakup finally pushed me to do it. She had told me I had no motivation to do anything well uh, yeah <laughs> no no because i was working 67 hours so i wasn't chasing any type of dream i was just working like a slave and just you know it's no ambition a, 
It's interesting when you also hear that from somebody that actually you don't realize it yourself because you get so involved in the day to day because I've wanted to do I didn't start setting up till 2006, but I'd wanted to do it since like almost like 2000 at some point. Like I've I'd always looked up like how I had a like 50 page printout of how to start doing stand up that I had (laughs) at my apartment. and. I lost my job at Southwestern Bell as an engineer, and so I had to work at a at a temp firm that was in Irving, where I live now. I literally couldn't, I was, you know, I that job started to move away. I was getting promoted up in there as well as management and things like that. And then they take the temp firm, like, well, we're going to move this to Victoria, Texas. And... I don't want to move to Victoria, Texas, because that means I'm going to be making $8 an hour in Victoria, Texas. I've never even heard of that place. <laughs> it is close to the border. It is down by Corpus area and stuff down in that area of South Texas. And so, oh, it, and so instead of doing that, I, I started sitting at my desk and I remember asking myself, what do I want to do? Because I realized by being fired by one company and relocated by another that there you might want to find something you want to do because jobs can be taken from you. It may You can do everything right at a company and they can still find a way to take that away. And so I decided I was going to try, st- I was going to do stand up. And then I lost that job and I started working nights, making really good money as a advertising specialist. I would send commercials out to TV stations. Oh, nice. Via satellite. And I did that. And that job required me to work from 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, because our, our Friday person lost their job i would come in at 10 or 11 p.m on friday and work till saturday around 11 a.m once the once the shipping cut off i would come i would try to get as many to go via satellite as i could once they were all done then i would have the rest shipped and i'd walk out the door around 11 11 a.m on a saturday go to bed then go out drinking at 11 p.m. So I would wake up and be like, oh, time to party. Let's go. <laughs> and that was, my, that was my life for two years until I got fired from that job. And I was like, all right, well, we have to do stand-up at some point. And so that's when I started was I got fired in May and I had DWI at the same time, so... As life organized and worked its way out, I finally got to try it on August 29th, 2016, or 2006. Took a long time. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things where I just, I always got entertained people when we were out drinking. I always, when I was on the balcony, like I could pull a crowd of people and just entertain them. We would go back and forth with insults and stuff like that, and eventually... You know, I just decided, well, let's try this. And comedy is a different animal. I will say it is a lot harder than than my friends made me think it would be. Like, oh, you're going to be great at it. And then 
No, I was not. For the longest time, I was not. And so I kind of get where you're at as far as, you know, taking the slow, steady process to, you know, slow to where it now begins to start. You start getting paid for doing stand up. Yeah, no, it's I mean, even even when I did start, I mean, I was going to mics once a week, not realizing that, hey, I should be. I didn't know there was other mics, you know, I heard about the mics in Denton. I was like, oh, this, this is great. This is where, this is where it's all happening. And then I find out, no, <laughs> there's other places, Dallas, Fort Worth, all that. I don't know why I thought that and just stayed centered on that one idea of I'll do comedy just in Denton. But yeah, it's took a little while to branch out. And so how is being a comedian and a father kind of, change as as it changed your father like parenting style at all just being a comedian at all or is it still the same i'd say it's still the same i will kind of my so i say that it's still the same but really when i first started doing comedy i was i was pretty sensitive i mean i guess i'm still sensitive but i was not as i'm more hardened now because i'm around people who constantly bring me down (laughs) <laughs> but in a in a friend friendly way, you no, know. They're are like, you talking oh. about comedians? You're talking about people at home. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't well, specify. I'm constantly yeah, around comedians. comedians for sure. Going to mics and everything. Everybody riffs on each other and everything. So that's definitely helped. So my I my you know my daughter's been going through like getting picked on at school. Mm-hmm. So before I would have been like, oh, I totally understand what you're going through, and I love you so much. But now I'm like, all right, listen, you just need to ignore that and just accept it. All right, stop being a bitch. Wow, <laughs> I don't really say that, but it's essentially I'm not as empathetic as I probably would have been. I don't know if that's empathetic or just actually finding out that yes, at right now this feels like it's the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. Maybe it's. Yeah. Maybe it's not that you're not being empathetic. It's being more aware of the world you're you're in and that, yes, being picked on is absolutely terrible. But at some point, if you play to your strengths. Exactly. Exactly. Just that just there's she's growing up. So I guess my teaching style has changed as she's grown up because of, you know, she needs to be taught these things. So you're going to have to have a little bit thicker skin than what you have now. So that's. Uh, and see, that's the, I, I always find it interesting to see what people get out of comedy, as far as that do pursue it and what their what, how it's changed their life a little bit. Because it's kind of what this podcast is based on is it's kind of almost a joke writing formula. Is you just kind of get into the details of what you're afraid of, kind of like a comedian, like you would you when you're writing a bit, like why why is this important to me? Why is this you know, where did this start? And you just find all the little stories. And so that's kind of where this goes. And you had one of your fears was really interesting. And I wanted to talk about it, which was go ahead and tell the listeners what you're afraid of. Um, not having enough time, um, was one of the ones that kind of, one of the biggest things that's been on my mind more so in the last five years, I guess you could say. So it's not always been there. So it's just recently this has kind of become a, what kind of, do you think five years ago kind of started that, I guess? Uh, I first started noticing it. A lot of the, a lot of the changes in my life happened about five or six years ago. Um, and it all centered around that, that breakup I had. 
because that was one of the biggest issues that we had in our relationship was there wasn't enough time mm-hmm. because she didn't have a car. So I would have to drive and pick her up and drop her back off whenever she was done hanging out with us for the weekend. But with work, you know, like I said, 60, 70 hours a week, taking care of the kid, it was, it was very hard to do. And some weekends, some weeks I didn't even see her. Um, and then ultimately uh, that with, you know, and then who or how I was as a person back then, I was pretty, I said stress. So I was not handling it and any type of depression I had really well. Um, and that was one of the biggest things that she had complained about is just, we don't have enough time together. Um, and I started thinking about what that meant and it kind of started branching out into other things too. Uh, you know, during the day you have a whole list of things that you have to get done, whether it be something small, like, Oh, I've got to clean my room or go grocery shopping or a project that you have to do throughout the day. And it just doesn't seem like there's enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I started thinking about it more and it started branching out into, wow, I'm about to turn 30. Now I'm 31 now about to turn 32. So when I was about to turn 30, I was like, what have I been doing? I have a 10 year old daughter. Uh, what I, I'm starting comedy a lot later than most people do. I mean, all the comedians that we see, most of the comedians we see now are, you know, in the early twenties. Um, so it's like, you have one that was started when they were what, eight, nine, seven, yeah. right? So that, in my head, I kept telling myself, "Is like you're running out of time to do these things and figure out what the hell you want to do with your life and to get ready for when your daughter starts her adult life. And that's been one of the biggest things in the back of my mind, the biggest stresses and the biggest worries that I've had since that first came into my head. It's interesting that it, it kind of expands just not just in your daily life, but then also expunges to your child like when she gets to be an adult what do you like what do you think what do you what are your fears that that entails like is she going is it going to be less time spent with her and more time alone is that what you're is that more of the time that I mean that too i think that's every parent though in general because once as they get older i mean that just i mean there's a couple times where i look at her i'm like what the hell happened you used to be this four or five-year-old little girl that I could pick up and put on my shoulder or give piggyback rides. And now she's just this, she acts kind of like a teenager now and she's only 11. So it's like, who are you? But that, but also, you know, she, small things to, um, you know, she's 11. So soon she'll be learning how to drive. uh, And I have yet to figure out how the hell I'm going to pay for her first car. Um, If she's going to want to go to college, I don't really have much in the way of savings for her to go to college, uh, depending on what happens, you know, in the next couple of years. That, I guess really, if you want to get like really, I don't know how dark you want it to get on your podcast <laughs> with it. Go for it. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, when I was younger uh, in my teens and then my early twenties, I did try to kill myself. Okay. Growing up, I'd always told myself I didn't really want to be old. Uh, I didn't want to grow up to be old okay. and I always okay. told myself, you know, probably I probably would die in my thirties or my forties, depending on how badly my life goes from that point when I first made that thought until then. And now I'm in my thirties and I don't really feel that way entirely anymore. I don't think I want to get past like 60 or seven. I think, I think now I've, I've upped my threshold of how, how much I want to endure in this world. <laughs> well, you say that. And then what if, Let's say you get to, so we'll say, let's get to 45. Mm -hmm. Abby has two kids. 
Does that extend your life now past 60 so that you can be a grandfather to Abby's kids and be around for her to help her guide her in how to be a parent now that the shoe is on the other foot? I'm sure that when I get to that point, yeah, it'll probably change. Okay. I'm sure when I first had that thought, I mean, even now that I think about it, it's more of just, I'm, I'm already a grumpy old man. I'm not old, obviously, but I have that mindset. A lot of things just bother me. So I'm always just like, I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. My girlfriend now is kind of like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. That's how, uh, that's just getting older is, is yeah. what you, re- and when you say that, when you looked at your thirties, I've done that and my forties, you know, this year's my 25th high school reunion year. And it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's 25. Like, that someone posted, I think another comic posted a, a, a meme on Facebook where she said if Back to the Future was done this year, that when Marty McFly went back in time, they would be playing Nirvana's Nevermind at the I front. Saw that. <laughs> and it's, and you, don't real, it just, you don't realize as you get older how much time goes by because you're so busy working. You're so busy being a dad or, you know, having those moments with your child that, you know, that she'll remember. But then you realize, oh, man, last time we did this was five years ago, even though it feels like maybe it was like a year ago or something. Or, you re- you know, David Jessup was really dark on, my, on the podcast saying, you know, he he knows that he has fewer Halloweens left than he has experience like he can almost count them like yeah i have maybe 10 to 15 more halloweens in my lifetime you know potentially yeah to when you Uh, can actually start to think about how many you have left versus how many you've done it's kind of crit you say you said something interesting about um how time does fly and i think that's another thing that plays a part of it is like um going back to talking about how my daughter used to be four and five years old and how quickly it's gone to now she's 11, almost 12. And it's like, time is going by real quick. Do we have enough time to do everything we need to do? And you also, as a parent though, you have to also be a comic force. You can't be freaking out. Exactly. Yeah, I can't. You got to put on the brave <laughs> face. Like, it's great that you're older. It's great that you're another year older. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You got to put on the brave face. You can't run in her room and like shake her and be like, we're almost out of time. Yeah. I mean, you can if you wanted to go do something like that. Maybe a great way to get to do chores. Like we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> but it it is amazing, and it also is kind of scary when because you can start to because I started having I would say I had my nerves about it when I was twenty five, and that was just because I'd had nightmares about you know passing away or you know a loved one passing away and not not realizing that it happened. Like I I mentioned before that one of my nightmares was I was calling my dad's house and his husband answered and he's like, well, he's been dead for three years, Ryan. And I, it literally shook me that I didn't know my dad had passed away. Like I would just had no idea. And it scared me so much when I woke up, I called his voicemail at like six in the morning at his job just to hear his voice. And what freaked me out was the first time I dialed the wrong number and it wasn't my dad's voicemail because like, he had his little automated, and it's, it's Tom Perry, like you, you know, the company voicemail <laughs> at the time when you wouldn't answer the phone. 
and it wasn't his. And I started really freaking out and I was like, let me just dial it again. And I called it again and it was, and he, his voicemail came up and I went back to sleep, but it was, it was intense. Yeah. no, I But that was probably it. And my best friend at the time was like, you know, we're probably going to live way longer than anybody expects because of medical technology and the things that the people can do with medicine now were finding ways to treat cancer. When, when I was a kid, if you had cancer, it was just, there was no winning the battle. You just, you had this that amount of time approximately left. And if you got more than that, you were, you were blessed. And so yeah. it's, it's weird because some people don't see that. They, as I've gotten older, like I'm 44. And so I've, you know, I've come from cancer being just a count a countdown to, oh, you know, there are friends of mine that have had cancer that have, you know, treatment and are now cancer free. Yeah. And if they cut, you know, if they come back, they can treat it again or there's still more life to left to be lived versus, yeah, you have cancer now. Enjoy enjoy what time you have with the ones you love and and say that would scare me to death is to have something, you know, that and just be pronounced that, yeah, there's nothing we can do for you. You just That's finalized. Yeah. And so now you had before you had this news, you had all this time in the world to do things you wish you could do, like travel you know, go see something or go visit some way. Now, all of a sudden, it's been, it's now been reduced to months or just years. And even then, you still don't know because somebody, you could pull out of your driveway and... Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so varied and so diverse. And it kind of, it, as an existence, it makes you, it makes you wonder you know, what is the end? And it's, as I've said before, there's a beauty in not knowing. There's a beauty in that I choose to live this way because this is what I wanted to do. That I've chased everything that I've wanted to chase and been able to do it and not been like, put it on the back burner. Yeah. Because I feel like that, if I were to be you know diagnosis terminal or something happened to me where i i lost my life i would go co- knowing that i've accomplished everything i wanted to at least or at least put myself on the path to accomplishing it like am i on a netflix special no but i've been doing comedy and i wanted to pursue, pursue it i wanted to do you know things in my life that i've done and that's <laughs> And and so I I kind of have very few regrets, and it's you know there are things that yeah it it scares me some nights when I lay in bed and think time you know your time could be almost up and you have no idea, but that's why I I try to do everything and try to I try to not hold on to things and negativity and things of that nature that you know, can lead to bitterness or, you know, not doing something or 
just regrets of some sort. Yeah, it's I, I I will say once once it comes to that point where I'm, I guess my time has come, or if there's ever anything finalized, if I look back on it, I I'm sure there's a couple things that I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done that, but knowing that I finally did stand up, got over somewhat my stage fright, that I did have the time I had with my daughter, I would be so I would be happy enough to know that I at least accomplished those things. See, that's it. It, it, it kind of it, it. It makes you just. I would say when you, as time goes on, it makes you kind of appreciate those little things. Because as an only child, I will say that as much time as I spent with my dad, it would as much money, whatever money he could make, if he's a millionaire, I would, I would give all that up just for more time with him. As a kid growing up, yeah. I love my mom, and I love the time we spent together. But it's just it's just sometimes you just feel like I guess as a as a child you you aren't given enough time like you wish there was more time or you would ask your dad to do something with you and he wouldn't have time or he'd be walking out the door or he would just you know he'd be he'd tune you out or even your mom in that matter he could be either parent and that just that feeling of asking and not and not being able to have that then having to go back to just being, you know, either by yourself or your siblings, it does kind of feel, especially if you feel like another sibling may be getting more attention than you are. Like if they, if they seem to make time, cause I would, that would kill me as I'm lucky as an only child, I don't have that, but having a sibling or something and having that sibling have something in common with that parent so that they seem to have more of a connection that you could have. Yeah. So like if, you had a you know brother sister for Abby, but you had more in common with that l- younger child than you do Abby. It's hard, you know, looking at it from Abby's perspective, that would be heartbreaking. Well, it's also, but it's also fits in your fear of time because now they get more time than you get. Exactly. Yeah. And so you always feel like everybody. Just, I just feel like everybody has like this this lifetimer in their mind. That just they have to do. They try to do all these different things, try to share it with all these different people, and either success or failure just depends on the day. That's that's kind of one of the reasons why I left my old job. <clears throat> you know, I was making pretty good money because I was working so many hours, and then this job I have now popped up because they were like, "We got someone that's moving on to go to college and all that stuff." So we need. To fill that space we trust you we trust you not to have a future we trust you not to go to college is what you're <laughs> saying right there <laughs> yeah, we trust you to stay with us forever <laughs> this guy's going to make some of himself we don't expect you to do the same let's see yeah exactly but you know it it saved me so much time i did i, I think that first year of my and abby's relationship got a little bit better too because i was able to take her to the park. I was able to just sit with her and watch movies or something instead of wake you up for school, drop you off at school, pick you up from your grandpa's house at nine 30 at night, drive home and put you to bed as soon as we get home and then repeat it for the next three to four days throughout the week. Yeah. So it, that was one of the best things I think I did, not just for myself, but for her too. So how do you manage like this fear? Like this fear? Cause I know it, 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 there's no escaping it. There's no, 
because you just you can look at a calendar and time a, a, cl- a phone a clock it's just there everything is telling uh-huh. you what time it is <laughs> yeah everything is telling you oh this day has been wasted or you know this month is already almost over hope you you know oh it's christmas time now get you hope you're hope you're doing doing holiday shopping it's now december i am one of those late christmas shoppers i will tell you that it's it's more of realizing or telling myself over and over that you Okay, let's let's break it down like a daily task. If I typically plan out my entire day from the moment, either right before I go to bed or when I wake up. So like on my day off, I will be able to sleep in these days and it'll be 9.30. I'm like, okay, I'll get up. I'll get dressed. I'll go and get myself an Abbey a smoothie. By the time I leave at 9.50 and by the time I get there, it'll be 10.20. And then by the time I get home, it'll probably be closer to you know maybe 10.50. Okay, there's that chunk of time planned. Then I'll work out for an hour. And then after that, I'll, and it goes on and on. I plan on my, so if some one little hiccup happens where mm-hmm. like my dad one day, he was like, oh, I need you to watch Elijah, my nephew. And I was like, I don't, I already have everything planned out for the day. You didn't tell me, you should have told me sooner. So, but then I get stressed because I'm like, oh, I want to help you. But also now my whole schedule that I planned out in my head is fucked. So I have to tell myself like these small things. So what if I don't get to reorganizing my room or clean, clean my room? It's like that. I can do that tomorrow. Let's, let's focus on the stuff that's going to be important. Like spending time with Abby or taking care of going to go grocery shopping together which also kind of helps with spending time with her and accomplishes the main task of feeding ourselves later down the week okay so it's just that reminding yourself that you may not have enough time to do everything but if you get the stuff that's important it'll be okay that's a that's a great way to end it there so where can people find you on social media if they wanted to see your comedy uh instagram facebook uh, Z Arredondo comedy. Those are my two handles for those. And then Twitter, I can't, it's too long. So I just have Z Arredondo 117 for Twitter. So I'll probably have to figure out a new name, but so far those for social media. Okay. okay. Well, thank you for doing this, Zach. I give you, I'll give you some time with your child since you've been sleeping and having a nap. Thanks for doing this. And it was a great conversation. Well, thank you for having me. I did. I had a lot of fun and it was great to talk about it. So that was Zach. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's nice sometimes to talk with a comedian and really, really get to bully some of these younger comics. And not in a bad way, but in a fun way, just to hear some of the things they say and then just find the funny in what they're saying. But I really resonate with this fear as I get older, especially, because you just realize as you get older how much time you may have left and it's just a countdown and you just try to maximize and enjoy life as much as you can. If you like what you hear, please leave a review. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. I have some great interviews lined up here in the future. I'm working on another comedian's interview as we speak, as well as others, authors, podcasters, public speakers. I've got a bevy of people, and I still have more to come. I'm going to take this week and just kind of edit as much as I can so that I have more interviews in the can already ready to go. March Madness is upon us. I've kind of set my computer up in the living room for the time being to watch basketball. It's been a great tournament so far. I love sports. 
Also, I did a couple of sets at Backdoor this week. They were pretty good. Not great. Still working on some new material, which is always an interesting challenge because it's a lot of trying to find different things to put it with and or, you know, just trying to find funny words and then saying something one time that's super funny and the next time you just people look at you like, what are you talking about? And that's the, it's the fun, the challenge and the frustration of stand up comedy is that you can completely have something be a complete applause break. Like, why are you not on Netflix kind of response? And then the next night, people look at you like, does he need help? Is he, is he okay? So if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, check out a local comedy show. Travis, uh, my guest from episode 28, Travis Can Listen, has a Facebook group for local comedy fans. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you can join that Facebook group. They'll try to do like a couple of shows a month that they all attend. And it's kind of a cool way to kind of make a community out of the DFW comedy fans. If you happen to be one, thanks again for listening to the podcast and I hope you have a great week. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at B white H two O get it H two O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at GunBuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger, and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there, and you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened and everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening.